we're directly responsible for what we choose to think about. She really gets in through here about choosing, making choices, and the importance of choice. Uh, Gary's not on here. Um, he and I went through a book last fall together called uh, The Discerning Life. And about, you know, discernment is about choices. And uh, would have been, you know, I've been going through that book uh, the last uh, the last few days. It, it's kind of side by side with this chapter. But the whole process is that we're a thinking being. Uh, I, I'm really intrigued by this. I've never read this before. And I've read quite a bit about this type of stuff. Day, on page 46, daytime thinking is a building process, whereas nighttime thinking is a sorting process. Danny, that's why you wake up in the middle of the night and remember what you're trying to remember. Yeah. Um, Your brain's sorting. I mean, and there's some, the, the sign, it works like an old tape drive. So it's in there. As you get older, there's more in there, and so it's got to work through that. You wake up and go, I'm trying to think of someone, boom. I had that the other day with a trying to remember a person's name in Ohio, and you know, I could visualize the guy. And then we're driving, Diane and I were driving along, boom, Phil Chick. I mean, why did it pop in my head? I mean, it, it makes no sense, but that's what happened. Yeah, I've been taught that any unanswered question will continue to continue to cycle through your con your 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 consciousnesses uh, you know plural uh, uh, your sub your conscious sub and unconscious until it's answered and that's why that a a good coach mentor will ask somebody a question they answer it and then they'll say what else or some other form of that to 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 finally you're exhausted mentally you can't you've given all the what else uh and you keep but you, your brain keeps processing that uh until it's answered well so, Danny, have you have you heard of something called first principles thinking i have not um some users of that would include thomas edison elon musk etc and I mean, the short version is you identify and define your assumptions. And then you break down the problem into its basic fundamental principles. And then you work to create a completely new solution from scratch. So that's an example where, you know, Tesla invents a windshield wiper that's based on friction that eliminates all the problems of a, of a uh, you know, mechanical wiper that's been around for, you know, whatever. 60 years. I mean, that's an example, but it's a, this is part, I think it's part of this where you're, you're going in and, and use your thinking to change physically, not only like your thought patterns, but, but you're attacking your own maybe misguided or old assumptions. Well, yeah, yeah your assumptions, you're attacking your own assumptions. And um, um, I just answered somebody just sent me something I, I might pull it up in a minute that, that that deals with that but it's a uh uh you know we're 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 only limited by our own thinking you think about everything that's come out right. I, I mean in in literally in I, I think it was 
1889, the head of the U.S. Patent Office went before Congress and he was sponsored. There was a bill before comp, uh, Congress and they called in the head of the patent, patent office to support them to shut down the U.S. Patent Office because it was a waste of money because 90-something percent of everything that was ever going to be invented had been invented and they didn't need to be supporting that office. Is that crazy? <laughs> right. right. And we have... short-sighted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and <laughs> um, you know, we have to... Get, uh, we got to get our, out of our own way. Tom, uh, thank uh, you. Thank, is Diana sitting back there? Oh, yeah. Hi, Diana. Thank you very much for that post on Facebook on, on Saturday. I meant to go back in there and tag you. We went out Sunday after church to the Willow City Loop, City loop. and did that loop, and it was beautiful. Yeah. And, wow. and uh, absolutely beautiful. Uh, though y'all didn't have any cars, we had, I was counting at one time, it went well over 20 cars. Wow. And, and one car ran off of one of those low water bridges. Oh, man. Oh, no. Oh, wow. yeah. We we had we had two cars the entire time passes. That was it. We had it to ourselves. It was, that was an amazing Saturday. It really was. Yeah. So, but I was thinking, my point was, is I was thinking, I was going, oh, look at all the, the wind and the sun energy out there and that somebody hasn't come up with a way to trap that energy yeah. and and it's not that it's not i mean i'm assuming some somewhere along the line somebody's going to figure out how to capture you know uh, really capture the wind and and solar energy to to make it useful you know you know without the the big turbine uh uh, right. uh uh, windmills and these big batteries and stuff. So God, if so, God's it's always been there. It, it just hasn't right. been discovered yet. That got me off on a tangent, didn't it? Um, well, I'll, I'll take you on another tangent that um, I was tested this week. Um, a week ago, Monday, I, I maybe I already talked about it, but I got this email from the ladies of the GAR, the immediate past president, right? And she writes, on Monday, she missed a Zoom on Sunday because she couldn't make it for some reason. And it was to discuss the Lincoln birthday, February 12th, those of us who went. She was included because she had gone last year. The guy kept her on the list, right? So on Monday, she sends an email that starts with, can you at least update us on the Zoom call? And that's how she starts her email. And I got a jerk reaction of like, what the, you know? And then I had to just kind of stop and do this rethinking thing. And that's what I did because it wasn't really, she lives in Ohio. It's not really personal, like a family member, you know, I could, so it was easier to do that rethinking and flip it another way. She felt left out. Right. So she was just knee jerk. And then she does not do phone calls. She only does email. And so I just gently wrote back and said, well, I was waiting for the minutes to come out because Lori Moore took minutes and um, I'd be happy to update you a little bit. So I wrote a little bit, whatever. And um, then she wrote back and she went, oh, I only do emails on Monday. So you won't hear again from me till next Monday. Like <laughs> That's the solution. 
but I have to tell you, um, it was hard and it took some thinking and practice to not be so irritated and to make it more funny in my mind, because it's really how we react to things. That's part of what she's talking about here, I think, is what is our reaction to the things that happen every day? And my, I can tell you a month ago, I would have been really pissed off, mad, you know, because it's like, I'm doing my job the best I can, leave me alone, you, you know, you just let me do my job, right? And she's constantly got, you know, she just misses being the president from last year, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, and, and, and that's what Dr. Leaf does. And she's going to get into the, a little bit more, but that multiple perspective advantage, the MPA, where you look at it literally like you're outside your body, you know, watching how you respond or react. Uh, so good for you. It, it, it works. There's some, it does, but there. I was tested. It took me a while to get there. Yeah, she'll actually get into some, there's some breathing exercises that will help you, you know, kind of take, you know, look at it from a different perspective. And for instance, my son-in-law, if he'd received that email, it wouldn't have bothered him at all. Just water off a duck's back, just move on uh, nice and go on to her. I know a couple of people like that and they, you know, they drive, used to drive me nuts. And now, you know, I understand a little bit about them. So uh, on page 47, um, if you got the book, read that, those, uh, those bullet points right there. There's one, two, three, four, five, six. Danny and my Kindle, I'm not sure I'm at the right. Is it the one that starts with magnetic fields? Yes. Yes. Okay. Thank you. So, you know, you read that, and that combined activity sets up an, sets up an intricate an organized sequence of actions of neurotransmitters, proteins, and energy that forms a, a signal. You know, th that page paragraph started off with just the mind activity from, the, from your reading of the next few lines generates electromagnetic, electrochemical, and quantum action in your neurons. Pretty interesting, huh? Tom, mm -hmm. help old guys like you and I and Curdy, uh, uh, you know, uh, work at a higher level maybe over the next <clears throat> years. And Paul, so yeah, I mean, you know, Hurdy was teasing me when we started talking about I need to write the book called "Why I'm Tired of Babysitting Millionaires." You just sometimes you just you know you go, but um, I yeah, like I mean, I, I, it's I'll it's be the co-author with you. Uh, um, I mean, Beth, I'm totally with you. Uh, you know, sometimes I want to just scream, are you kidding me? You know, I, I just, it's just, I reached my point. And uh, this time of the year doesn't help because, you know, people are under pressure on both sides. But uh, yeah, I mean, we need that. Um, if we can use her techniques, if you will, to um, 
have a better balance and to positively change whatever how you ever define that however you define the positive changes um i think that would be remarkable and, and i think sometimes it's like changes that are positive for us or not necessarily uh, uh, folks around us are not going to embrace that because again we if we don't want to put up with their you know baloney or babysit them then maybe they're going to be offended because we choose to you know do it another way or we don't work well, with them well, you know, the time I, you're I talking some people you know, down i've turned the work down because i don't want to i don't want to put up with the hassle and, and you know some people get stuck in such a rut yeah and they think they're always and that's what she's addressing here that yeah. you want to i mean i have i have told so many people about this book for the past five years yeah and about the app and i've i've I have experienced the ability to make some changes, but we see so many people that just, they don't want to make changes. Right. And uh, they don't think they can change. They don't think they can succeed if they make some of those changes that their, their DNA, they don't say DNA, but they think, well, I, I made my money this way and I lost it because of this stuff right so, but but i've got to just make it the same way and just plow through and, and that i'm uh, uh, that but they don't really try to change and that's what she's dealing with here right uh, uh on page by the way paul were you gonna say something while ago and, and the rest of us i were, was yeah. you keep interrupting me or was it you hurting <laughs> Yeah. Hey, so so I, I, hey, Paul, before, I for, before before I forget this thought, at the very beginning of the chapter, it says choice is real and free will exists. And um, I'm going to approach this from a little different angle. So you remember what Paul said in Romans, since she's scriptural in this book, he said that the thing he wanted to do, he could never do the right thing he wanted to do. He never did. Uh, Paul struggled with changing his habits and his mind and his behavior. Well, you take this over to the recovery groups I used to teach, right? And you have people that are ingrained in such deep addictions that it's a long process to change the habit, to change the thinking, to change the brain response, mm -hmm. right? And let me tell you what the opposite end, the bad news is, and then there is good news, but the bad news is, is that generally when I see somebody depressed, they've been in very incongruent in their behavior, meaning that their behavior is not matching up for what they're trying to accomplish. Their, their head is doing one thing, but their choices are keeping them incongruent and keeping them in a depressed mode because they're mad at themselves. They get tired of, of fighting. So, the thing about this book is there's I, I would imagine there's some things that are fairly easy to go light bulb. Then there's some things we're very incongruent at that we have to work on constantly to get the brain to function in a way we want it to to keep us on track. So take it from a guy that went through a me and addictions you know, the alcohol thing back in my early days, all, all the cigarettes, all the crap I used to do. It's hard. It's hard to get out from under those rocks. And it took me forever to wake up 
and start changing my behavior, right? So I just want to let you guys know that this is this is deeper than I gave up money or I lost this client. This this gets into the soul of why so many people that are addicted to stuff are so incongruent. They just can't get through it. It it, it and it's it's really difficult. That's why they need support. So just thought I'd throw that in. Yeah, no. Uh, Ru ruin perfect. your day. Ruin your day. No, Hurry, can, can I just press on that for a minute? So is that because of their deep-seated fear? I mean, I'm trying to simplify. Is it their internal fear? Their their own I would even I would even you know, say negative self-worth. I would I would say the brain, if you look at it from the book's perspective, the yeah. brain has changed so much chemically. They have made this choice so often that there is no other choice in their yeah. head. That yeah. that it has nothing to do with fear. It has to flat out do with the fact that they have wired themselves completely Habit. to their addiction. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Good. And that's and, and you think you think about unwinding that. Uh, that that is like a lifetime effort. They, my brother, who was a raging alcoholic. Right, he has to unwind that every single day. He's been yeah. sober eight years, nine years, ten years, but he has to unwind that every day. Every day. That's yeah. how built into his brain it was. So hope I didn't No, no, it's good. No, it's really good, good, Thank you. Good, what I was gonna talk about was the fact that I got a twelve week year email today. You know how we get them, Danny. Mm -hmm. And it was about incremental change versus you know, radical change, basically, or big change, like a new job, a new this, a new that. And he was saying that we won't tolerate the pain for incremental because it seems like the reward isn't big enough, you know? Mm. And so it's kind of like, that's why if you throw somebody into rehab where they're stripped of everything, the change is huge. Yeah. But like, you know, when you get a new job, you do something new, you expect mm. a lot of pain and growth. It's just the way it is. But if you try to just change something small at work incrementally, it never sticks because it's just too hard to kind of keep it up for because the payoff wasn't there for smaller changes. Well, that's I so mean, so I, like I, basic training in the military. You know, we're you gonna go. take it all away, kick you, you know, I mean, there and kick you till you're down, then we'll build yeah. it back up because you will never make those little changes. Make bad right. and shut up. I mean, I'm it, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And well, the, uh, and, you know, and we talked go ahead, Hurdy. I was just going to say to finish it from the Christian's perspective, right? Probably the hardest thing in this process of changing this brain is is also the acceptance of the forgiveness factor. Because what happens to people in addiction is when they keep feeling over and over is they just don't feel like they're ever going to live up to what God wants them to be. And so they quit even trying to get close to God, because you know what good does it do me? I'm still going to repeat my my past yeah. and mm -hmm. the thing I do. So you know, there it's a lifetime struggle. It, it's a lifetime struggle for me to constantly try to stay focused on just wanting to read a Bible or pray something every day. I don't know why. You know, you guys can. You guys can sit around and, and and advise me, but the bottom line is, I just rebel against it constantly. I have to force myself, force myself mm. to stay in touch. I don't know mm. why. I haven't figured it out yet. Yeah, but I get. But I think God forgives me for at least acknowledging it. 
you understand? And you move forward with it. So my brain has to change too. Yeah. Well, let me hit on a couple of highlights and, um, I could delete all this. That will be great. No, no, you leave this in here. You leave this in here. I was forgetting about that. It's recording. And I'm also thinking that that road to Damascus, you were bringing up Paul and that Uh, was a big change. Yeah. 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 And, and those one of those life changing events that will yeah. cause somebody to, um, I mean, you know, if somebody does a disc assessment, some type of temperament personality assessment, um, and if they were truthful, that doesn't change unless they've had a near death experience or a, uh, traumatic event in their life, like maybe the death of a loved one or, or, or something like that. Um, the, you know, back to somebody said something about depression uh, a few minutes ago and depression. And this is from, I sent this to somebody yesterday that, um, this is out of Dr. Leaf, the daily email I get from her. Depression is a warning signal that something inside needs to be acknowledged and addressed. And I'd never thought about it like that. And it was wow. kind of like, whoa. But Danny, that just reminds me of, in my business, I, I do a very little life insurance. I mean, seriously, I probably write four policies a year. I don't write a lot. But I seem like every time somebody, most of the time somebody calls me for life insurance, it's because they had a relative die or a good friend died. And then suddenly they want to freak out about it. And then they, oh, I need quotes. I need them now. Da, 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 da. Most of those people never will finalize a policy. It's it's always it's always like, let's flip out, and then we're going to make a big deal hmm. about it, and then we're not going to do anything about it. So, um, again, that's not my primary job. I only, That's kind of like a I – mean, I, I mean, it's part of Goosehead, but it's sure. more of a side comes to in my business. But that's just kind of funny hmm. how it could be. Yeah, that's that's interesting. So, Danny, so we used to call those uh, those those that depression thing, or uh, we called them red flags. Uh, to visually put a picture with it was to write down our red flags, right? So, depression is not a bad thing. A lot of people have associated depression with being a bad thing. Now, there's manic depressant, there's bipolar, and there's different levels of depression that take what Beth does to help those folks, right? They have to. But that basic level of depression, when somebody says, I feel depressed, it means there's something going on they need to take a look at. Well, and, you know, there's a lot and of... it's hard. It's not there's easy. There's a lot of de- depressed people that were... A lot of people very successful. Well, uh, Abraham Lincoln uh, had serious depression problems. Mm-hmm. And uh, a great book called Lincoln's Melancholy. Uh, it's a is a fantastic book that has a lot, quite a bit in it that you won't read. And I've have a few of his biographies, and um, there's a couple of things in there I hadn't read before. I mean, uh, for the most part, uh, that particular author, a couple authors, but that particular author, um, his speculation is that if 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 he had not married, what's her name? What was his wife's name? Mary, Mary. Todd Lincoln. Mary Todd Lincoln. Yeah. Who? Mary, Mary Todd, Todd Lincoln. Mary Todd Lincoln. If, if he had, he, he was set to marry another lady who I think died, married, married Mary Todd. And if he hadn't married her, he never would have become president because what he became well known 
traveling the circuit up there in Ohio and Illinois and that whole circuit, he would travel, stay gone for three or four months at a time following the judge around the circuit. And he did that to get away from her because she was so mean. And um, uh, literally, and, you know, neighbors report uh, one journal that they found about 30, 40 years ago that, well, she's chasing him with a broom again. <laughs> and they would they'd run out of the house, her hitting him with a broom. And so, um, but uh, it's in, in this, even before being married, uh, and but obviously, you know, uh, highly successful. Um, hmm. The the, the part where you're talking about the changes, Herdy, uh, you know, a couple of you you're talking about some of the changes and that I mean, if you start practicing what she says in here, I'm, I, I tell you from personal experience, change will happen. Mm -hmm. uh, and where the and and. Um, you know, I was I the first time I went through a. Let me be sure about this. But the first time I went through the um, uh, her five steps, did it for 21 days with then another uh, 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 40 something days of follow through. Um, let me see if I can get to my. Nope, I can't see it from where I'm at right right now, but. Uh, yeah, yeah. The first one was procrastination. Procrastination was eating me up. And this was about three years ago, four years ago. So I started practicing these five steps, uh, the MPA, uh, uh, about procrastination. And it gave me a whole new perspective about it. I, I could feel some changes coming about it. But she also says that you'll notice other changes because you're building some new neural pathways, a change that I noticed and heard you can leave this in here when you, when you go to edit this is I have bitten my fingernails as long as I can remember my mother. Uh, I had, I asked her two or three years ago, when did I start biting my, biting my fingernails? She says, as far as I know, I can remember you've always bitten your fingernails. She tried, I tried different things over the years and could not, stop biting my fingernails about three years ago going through this 60 something day process of uh, of uh, working on a toxic thought i just realized i hadn't been biting my fingernails i literally had to i, I found myself looking for fingernail clippers to cut my fingernails and i went wow that I've never looked for fingernail clippers to uh, to clip my fingernails, uh, and I and I credit it to you know building the new neural pathways through these um, uh, exercises that she has in there. So anyway, uh, everybody said, "Well, that got totally weird." Um, so she says, "What does all this science mean to you?" Um, and I love this scientific investigation is a way of admiring God. Scientists are discovering precise pathways by which change in human thinking operate as signals that activate genetic expression, which then produce change in our brains and our bodies. Um, 
she goes on to, uh, you know, uh, she talks about the gene myth of truth. And then finally, the chapter summary, uh, which I was planning on spending 10 minutes on this whole thing, was uh, we're not a victim. Free will is not an illusion. Our free will influences our thinking, which produces our state of mind. What we say and do is based on what we have already built in our, into our minds. Choice has mental real estate around the front of the brain. Certain areas light up when we think and choose. And I, th I think that directly relates back to what she was talking there in there about our, our choices. And when you, it, you just start making choices when you're under a brain scan. And, and uh, uh, I thought about that. I was in an MRI, a, a couple of them last week, and, uh, uh, and they were speaking to me to do certain things. I, and and well, <coughs> as far as I know, it wasn't they do anything in my well, brain, shoot. but I assume my Sorry. brain was lighting up by, by answering them. Um, this thinking creates signals that unzips the DNA. I found that very interesting. That whole thing around the crib, if I'm saying it right, Gene. Um, from the gene myth to the truth, we're not victims of our, our biology. We control our biology. Any more thoughts? So, so I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, Today, I'm thinking of everything from a Christian uh, perspective, so bear with me. So, so change in our own being, right? Once we have Christ in our life, uh, there's a lot of people believe once you have Christ in your life that all the changes are done by him completely, right? Myth. So where is that fine line between him working a good work in us and keep building us and maturing us and then where does our part come in? Right? So remember one of the Beatitudes when he says uh, he loves those that hunger and thirst for righteousness? Mm -hmm. He means hard work. Yeah. I mean, Herdy, I think our part is that we do our part. And, right. Uh, right. And, you know, um, if we want to know God more, we read scripture more. We meditate on scripture more. We, we go to scripture for more of our answers uh and you know sometimes uh you know he gives us answers through other people and through books um howard Hendricks, uh, you know uh, uh theology professor at uh, dallas theological um you know he was there for uh, i don't know 50 something years he held up the bible saw a video had a guy tell me and i found the video where he held up the bible and, and not this but but a bible and said if you if all you do is read this book you'll never understand this book you need to read what others, or you know, the doctrine and stuff in it. But uh, uh, but we have to read if if you're interested in following God's will, right? You have to. I mean, Second Thessalonians says something about uh, you know uh, uh, you know uh, part of God's will is testing uh, you know things, and uh, um, so. So is it, so it's back to free will. God gives gives us free will. It's a great gift, and then we go out and use it. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. But it's folks in that free will, like she talks about, to actually have our thinking change our mind and body, and that's a that's a big deal. But I mean, we don't do a very good job always of using our free will. No, we sure don't. We sure don't, and that leads into actually chapter three. Your choices change your brain. 
And the scripture is 12, Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The link, That's one of my wife's favorite scripture verses. Yeah, it, it, isn't that good? Um, yeah, the link, the link science concept is through our thoughts, we can be our own microsurgeons as we make choices that will change the circuits in our brain. I'll say that again. As we make choices that will change the circuits in our brain, we are designed to do our own brain surgery and rewire our brains by thinking and by choosing to renew our minds. Um, the in, he, back on page fifty-one, he had in the previous chapter, he he said, "So a time is coming when medical practitioners will include admonit." I say that word admonitions. Like admonitions <laughs> admonitions yes and like philippians 4 8 and romans 12 2 on their prescription pads part two of this book is designed to help you apply god's prescription so um we'll spend the next 15 minutes in here see how far we get but our choices get under the skin of our dna and can turn certain genes on and off changing the structure of the neurons in our brain You know, I, I think about uh, before we got started, uh, Tom and, and Herdy was talking about businesses and, and, and some business people that, I mean, some people just keep repeating the same problem over and over mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. I had a guy call me this morning and I've known this guy for 30 years. Um, uh, he is as a some type of construction business now has made some good, has really built it up, knows he's got problems that, or there's things he should have done that he didn't do that's cost him a lot of money. He doesn't want to make those choices again. So he's reaching out and asking questions. A lot of people won't do that. that. Will they, Tom? They just keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, I asked him some questions. He, he's got a plan. He's got some strategies. I uh, don't know how uh, um, how good they are, how detailed they are. Uh, and if he follows them, tries to follow them and rewrites them along the way. Uh, but that's one of the things I see with business people. They just, they're, they're flying by the seat of their pants. Uh, when I get through with this at 3.30 today, I've got an hour and a half Zoom call with uh, a couple of guys on my team for us to do our every other week, um, you know, where we are with our plan, uh, uh, what are we working on, not working on, you know, the next level of a couple of things so that, uh, and if something's not working, we're not doing it. Let's take it off the plan. Just don't, just, just don't leave it on there. Mm -hmm. it, it, so um, it's, it, but it, it's about the choices. I keep driving the choices. We've got to make good choices. And we got to know what we got to be planning and what choices we're going to make. We, gotta, we, we have to be prepared to make good choices. Mm -hmm. um, so. Well, they, I mean, Danny, 
well, everyone, don't you think you need to be prepared to accept what people give? I mean, you've had people that asked you for your opinion before, Danny, Hurdy, and then they don't listen. Yeah. It's I, like, well, I didn't like the answer, so I ignore it. We've all been there, probably. Right? I mean, Paul, you've got to have that insurance. Here's my recommendation. They don't do it. You're all the time. Like a I have a customer the, information. I seriously have a customer right now that has a 1,700 square foot house. It's insured for $120,000 in Austin. And then she thinks, and then and $120,000 won't buy her garage. So, right. but yeah, but yeah, so those things happen all the time. Right. I mean, so, I mean, if you're not, you know, so, I mean, God gives you grace. All you got to do is accept it, right? Well, we do have to accept it. Yeah, and, and well, so, I mean, I mean, Tom, boy, you, you, you fire up a lot of uh, uh, thoughts about. Uh, I mean, I mean uh, when somebody asks me for my opinion, I will ask them typically, "You want my opinion or my experience or my thoughts?" Which there's a difference. If uh, uh, and and I don't tip if, if and I want to give it. I want to tell them what it is. You you've heard me say that. Right. Um, there's a book called Joy at Work by my a man named Dennis Bakke. Now it's a both it's it's a bigger book than this. Uh he ran a 40,000 employee electrical company. Uh had operation in the US and two or three foreign countries. And he had a his org chart was only 3D. There you go. Okay. It's a very flat org chart. And he taught people how to make decisions you right. never got fired to your point tom he never you never got fired for making a bad decision but you got fired if one you didn't seek advice or right. two you didn't listen to a person's advice if all you did was try to uh uh uh, uh get somebody to you would you were looking for justification of what you'd already decided to do that's what he would fire you for uh right Right. And and if and if you work in an environment where they actually empower you to do that, it's amazing what happens. I mean, I worked at HEB as a kid, high school and college, okay? And, and when they empowered you to, to fix it for the customer, guess what? We didn't have many problems, right? Just fix it. And, and so uh, if you're in an environment where they're going to micromanage you, well, you know what happens. Okay, we've all been there. But yeah, I mean, Danny, opinion versus experience. Some people do not, they want your advice if it agrees with what they've already decided. I see it all the time. Yeah. And it's it's a tough one because, you know, maybe they're not ready for, I mean, maybe they need the book, but not ready to change their thinking. I mean, they're, they're in that, maybe that habit or pretty referring to that deep habit rut they're in that, that they, they can't. They think, think they can't dig their way out. Or or go deeper, and that is a lot of people don't like, because of the way they've been raised or something's happened in their life, they can't accept any authority uh, because they, they're so inward about their own self. So, you know, there's that, there's that niche where they feel like they're being fathered along or have, uh, have authority over them as opposed to so they don't ask for help right yeah. uh, it's weird uh, um, I, 
I think anybody that owns a business at some point is going to have to reach out or they're in trouble. It's just a personal, I, yeah. it's a personal I, I, thought. I, yeah. I, I want to share this. I'll make it brief. I had a friend, wonderful guy. My first job out of college, Terry was a wonderful guy. And he called me one evening and, and said, can I, I need to talk to you. He came over to my house and he was struggling with this project. He'd been on for like a month. And Terry's what we would call an accidental accountant. He got the degree. And he was terrible at it. That what his IQ was terrible at. Okay, that happens. And I said, well, he said, I, well, I don't understand why I can't figure this out. I said, well, Terry, because you don't have all the information needed and you've got to ask for it. And he's a month into it, right? I mean, I have no idea how much time he's got built. So... I'm going to flash forward about five years. And uh, I pick up the Austin American Statesman and Terry has committed suicide. Oh. So sad. Yeah, that is really sad. Um, that, that, Tom, is that deep side of the incongruent behavior. Uh, I had two best friends I grew up with at Monarch Paper in the 70s commit suicide last year. One hung himself and the other one blew his head off in a park. And and this is after one helped his wife through the first one wow. friend through the first wow. one and then turned around and did it to himself. Damn. So to for that to be figured out is is crazy. But that's that deep side of of yeah of the rule of the, of the darkness inside, right. Goes yeah. to a point where you just don't feel like you're part of anything. Yeah. We call it the hole, uh, yeah. you know, and you see that in a lot of military, but it, it, the hole yeah. is the hole it, and, and we don't understand it because we don't have that hole. And so we just can't figure out why the heck anybody would do that. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 what are you going to say, Paul? We actually had the same thing in my family. Now, long story short, uh, my dad is, I have two brothers and a sister. One of his brothers shot himself, killed himself in like the 70s. Mm. But then my mom got cancer in two, and she passed away in 2008. My other uncle, I mean, he came to the funeral and my mom's funeral was pretty large because she was in the area, lived in the area for a long time and she died of cancer and had a long struggling thing of cancer. Well, my other uncle, well, shot himself like less than a year later. So I guess maybe because I guess he thought, you know, oh gosh, her, her funeral was so great. Maybe I need to do the same thing. So I've had two uncles kill themselves. And my dad, my dad, my, my aunt are the only ones left in my, you know, that part of the family. But, uh, you know, things like that happens. Like, you know, what made him not kill himself way before that? But he did it right after my mom passed away because he probably hadn't been to anybody's funeral in a long time. Went to her funeral, thought it was pretty. So mm -hmm. I guess, I guess, mm -hmm. uh, decided it was time. So I don't know. So then I went well, to guys, I mean, you're speaking to, you know, um, uh, you know, all this last five, seven minutes was about that, you know, having a warning signal, depression. There's probably some other things besides, but. The warning signal is something inside needs to be acknowledged and addressed. Um, you know, she's talking about on page 56 that the sign, this scientific power of our mind to change the brain. And again, for years, if, 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 if I mean, 25 years ago, let's say 40 years ago, 
everything they were that was being taught was that the brain most of what was being taught is that the brain controlled the mind mm -hmm. and which is and that's not true and and before the term you know and what she says right here um the scientific power of, of our mind to change the brain is called epigenetics and is and spiritually it is a man thinks so is he the way the brain changes as a result of the mental activity it is scientifically called neuroplasticity and spiritually it is a renewing of the mind i mean you know all of this is uh you know there's you know dementia you think about it i mean growing up you know hurdy and tom you didn't hear terms like dementia and, and no. Alzheimer's. No. And you first start hearing about Alzheimer's, and uh, and um, and it's become really prevalent in the Boomer age. Okay, our you know our age group, and I don't mean to be leaving you out, Paul, but uh, the uh, <laughs> the uh, hey, Uriel's definitely not a Boomer. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so I'm just learning. And, and, and but, but what's happening is is that you know th this whole aspect that we in, in the in the sixties and seventies they felt that about eighty percent of our thoughts were repetitive. Now they're saying that ninety percent of the average person's thoughts are repetitive, and yeah. that's and, and that's due to we have so much information coming at us. Yeah. And we go at everything as such a, a you know, the 20,000 foot view. We, we don't dig deep. Um, uh, putting your phone down uh, yeah. at times during the day, walking away from it, go to the bathroom, go somewhere, leave it there. So you think about, you, you, you think, you start wondering about the definition of something, process it a little bit before you go Google it. And uh, <laughs> I'll it, it, walk. What's that? Yeah, for a walk. Yeah, yeah. Go for a twenty thousand step a day walk, like Hurdy. Well, I mean, Danny, my dad used to have a saying. He says, "Yeah, that guy's a clipboard. He can't think unless he sits down." But your That'd dad, your dad, dad said that guy's a what? He's a clipboard. Carries around a clipboard, <laughs> but he can't think unless he sits down. My dad's up on a telephone pole or in a manhole fixing phones. He is not, he is doing it. He would make himself mad. He goes, so they want to promote me to be that? He goes, that will never happen. Yeah. And it did. He turned it down three or four or five times. But he would just go, here comes the clipboard. You know, they're going to make some notes, but nothing is done while they're yeah. still working. It would sounds like my dad. My dad looked for work for Southwestern Bell slash AT&T for yep. 40 years. My dad, yep, that's what my dad did. <laughs> and you know, his his part was like, get her done. Like the phones are out at Burston Air Force Base. They got B-52s. Go fix them. Quit talking about it. And he, he would, the clipboard would just drive him nuts. Yeah. Go ahead, Hardy. Uh, so I was going to say, you see the value of the Lord's Prayer in this, right? Because um, you could repeat it to yourself, but, but the bottom line is in the prayer thing, 
it makes it easier for me just to say, help me with my choices and to make the prayer real, not just the surface things, you know, that, and that is sometimes you just remember when Peter was drowning, he jumped out in the sea mm -hmm. and what was his only word? Help. Help. He didn't, he didn't pray anything else. Help. <laughs> so, so sometimes maybe it's just help. I'm, I'm going down the wrong dirt road here. Help, help, help. help. Change my brain. I mean, Speaking of that, any of y'all watch The Chosen? Because that was just on one of the episodes yes, of The Chosen. Yes, I did watch that. Yes. The, yeah. the Chosen? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because they were just, that was one of the last episodes of season three. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know, many of my prayers I ask for or wisdom and discernment because, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know what God wants me to do. Just just guide me. You know, it just, I mean, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I mean, you know, Peter's more succinct, help, but it's, I mean, you know, point me. Yeah, well, uh, we'll leave with this. I wanted, uh, on bottom of page 56, epigenics is an ancient science and spiritual truth. Epigenetic, epigenetics is referred to as a new science, but actually it is an ancient science that can, uh, that we find throughout the Bible. At its most basic level epigenetics is the fact that your thoughts and choices impact your physical brain and body your mental health and your spiritual development and he quotes out of deuteronomy psalm and proverbs you know i'm reminded that in what she was talking here about the thought process and creates these proteins that's that's transferred into energy and that you know everything's energy this this book if you put it under, under big enough microscope and you, you see it moving you know it's it, everything's energy and and, we, and and you know we forget that on and these choices will impact not only your own spirit soul and body but also the people with whom you have relationships in fact it goes even deeper your choices might impact the generations to follow and he goes on to quote out of exodus uh numbers and deuteronomy Again, some more about uh, uh, this. Uh, I enjoyed this, guys. Thanks for the for the input.